Have you ever wondered what it means to be the best? <laughs> hey everyone, it's Coach Molly here from Three Pines Leadership and the Mindset and Impact Virtual Summit, and thank you for tuning in again. Today, I want to share with you another interview from the Mindset and Impact Virtual Summit. Uh, this interview today is with the one and only Rachel Boardman. So Rachel is a former athlete turned podcaster, and oh, she's also traveled the world, and that is awesome to see. And while she was traveling, she got this spark of inspiration, and she decided to completely change her direction in life. Well, she and I sat down for a wonderful conversation after her presentation at the summit. Um, and I want to share that with you right now. But before I do, you have to hear her awesome presentation. The stories and the examples she brings up are so important. And what she's sharing with us are examples and ideas and ways that you can hack the mindset of elite athletes. Even if you've never played sports before or you hate sports, it doesn't matter. What she's talking about is all mindset. And it's absolutely fantastic, the examples that she shows. So if you want to get a free copy um, or free access to the summit, you can at leadershipmade.com. Um, and also connect and subscribe on all of our different social platforms and podcast platforms as well. So before I send you over to my conversation with Rachel Boardman, I want to say I love you from the bottom of my heart. So here is my conversation with Rachel Boardman. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing all of that awesome content with us. Those tips are definitely things that either I'm going to start implementing in my day sooner than later or things that I've already done in my life, like morning routines. Morning routines. I've gone through routines that are two hours long or three hours long. Um, and I've also been finding way more success with those shorter 10, 20 minute routines. And as you say, it's all about consistency. Um, what, what is your uh, favorite podcast to listen to right now? Um, right now, do you know what? It's Russell Brunson's Marketing Secrets. Like that's the one that like I, I've been listening to as part of my morning routine, like every single day. I think it's just because they're, they're only short and they're just like full of tips and he's, he's just so enthusiastic. Like I just like, listening to him gets me all energetic and ready to go and I'm like yes let's go yeah there was an episode in um I think it was like beginning of March or end of February 2020 where he had just come back from uh, a mastermind group in Puerto Rico or something um and he was talking about finding he was talking about the boredom and he was talking about um finding those I forget what he called them but like special moments throughout your yeah, timeline. Yeah. So it, there's, there's that boredom and falling in love with that. And as you say, that's the key to success. That's the key to continuing to find results. Even, you know, you're not, as I say a lot, you're not going to show up at the gym once, lift a weight a couple times, and then be bigger and better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it's that continued effort. Um, but what do you think about what Russell was saying in terms of, finding those magical moments to kind of shake up your routine and, and kind of shake up the way that our brains kind of settle into habit. 
Yeah, I really, do you know what? I really like that idea. I think he was talking about how like um, things can go really, seem to go really fast because, uh, and uh, be, because like it's just the everyday mundane and it's those things like the, whether it's a holiday or an event that you're going to or like a birthday or, or whatever it is. Those are the things like the key moments in, in the year that you look forward to um, and like you can use them as targets for um, goals that you're setting. You know, you could, it could be that, you know, you want to get fitter. So you, you, you're going to enter a 5K fundraiser or, or whatever it is. And that's your goal. Um, and it's the you don't remember the training you remember the, the 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 feeling that you got when you crossed the line and, and how everyone celebrated and the medal that you get and all those kind of things so I kind of I really love that kind of concept and how it's it is important to have those things to look forward to um because otherwise I think sometimes you forget like you, and you go into the what's the point um I'm, I'm not doing what am I doing this for kind of attitude yeah, I used to work in the travel industry and we'd always talk about the timeline of the experience. So they they say approximately um, when people book big vacations, of course, we're not booking big vacations right now, but remember <laughs> back in the day when we used to, um, you'd, get ex- you'd book it about six months in advance because you'd have six months of excitement and anticipation up until before. Um, the travel experience then you actually have the experience and it might only be a couple days long maybe a couple weeks long maybe a couple months long um, but it's a finite amount of time and then the question is how long does that excitement last afterwards and that has a lot to do um, with your mindset and how you approach the experience itself and so it's it i I liken that to what it must be like as an athlete. You have the event that you're competing for. So you're working up to that event. You have the excitement and the adrenaline of being in the event. And then what happens after that? So from your experience, what was that like? I mean, like there's a reason why a lot of um, athletes that, Olympic athletes that go and win gold medals afterwards, they they have mental health problems or they sink into some kind of depression or like low. They're like, well, I've reached the pinnacle of my sport. I've done what I I, I want to do, um, and then and then it's like, well, what next? And um, I don't think I really had that particularly because I never reached my like my my as I kind of mentioned like um, earlier, I was like my my dream goal like when I started swimming was I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to win a gold medal in a world record time. I mean, I don't aim high. <laughs> and obviously that, that, that didn't happen, but I always had goals that I wanted to set. And I come out like, um, for example, like when I, I hit top 20 in the national championships, like that was one of the best races that I, that I swam in. Like I was what, like 13, 14. Um, and that was like one of my favorite races that I did. It was like, I just swam it well and I probably couldn't get much better than, than that. And it was great. And I, I lived up to it and it was the end, it was the end of the season. So I had a couple of weeks break, but then it was like, okay, next, what's the next goal? Like, and I already had an next goal, whereas I could kind of understand when you get to the, you win that gold medal at the Olympics. Like that, that is the ultimate goal. Like, where do you go from there? So for me, I don't think I, it was always, a, there was always a quick switch over to the, ne- the next thing, which I think is probably quite important. Um, sometimes you might need help in finding what that next thing is, to be honest. And we always, we, we can talk about those big, reaching those pinnacle moments where there's a big pivot that has to happen. What about those gradual pivots or those pivots that 
that happen um, where it's not as drastic. Like when you had pneumonia, for example, it, it destroyed your lungs. What was that kind of recovery like? Um, so, yeah, so it took me six. So it was kind of luckily it was at the end of the season. So I, I kind of, I had it at, in like June time. And then I was going to, I had like a month out of the water and then a couple of weeks where I kind of paddled around, didn't do anything. And then I went and competed at the Welsh nationals, which I should not have done. That didn't help the scouting on my lungs at all. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have anyone that really knew that I shouldn't, because obviously it's, it's a, it's a physical injury, but you can't see it. So you, you, you don't really know what's going on and, and nobody dealt with an, like an illness like I'd had anyway. But it took me six, took, took me about six months before I could swim a length of butterfly again, mm. um, which was, you know, which was hard. Um, and then it took me three years before I did a, a personal best on like my best events. And that was difficult. Um, I had to watch my friends carry on like they continued progressing they you know some of them went on to like win nationals british champs go on to swim for your uh, euros or for gb juniors um whereas i was just kind of stuck plug, plugging along putting in the exact same effort as they were just not really getting the results um and to be honest like it took it it took um, a conversation with um one of my original coaches her son was an olympian he's called uh, adrian turner um and he he had a life-threatening illness like uh, um a few years i think it was like a few years before he went on to go to the olympics and he was like on his deathbed kind of thing and he came back came back and trained at the club a little bit and i watched him like from um because at the time like i, I the, his mum was still my coach so he came into the sessions that i was training in and had his own lane and swam up and down and i saw him from when he was like just getting back in the water to then go and watch him qualify for the Olympics and then seeing him on TV watching the Olympics. And then he came and chatted to me about his experience and like that it is a long game and you have to kind of take it time by time. And that kind of having someone talk to me about what was got, what had happened to him and that like I needed to take the long game kind of helped probably helped me actually stick it out for the long term to be honest and gave me the the courage to turn around to my coach on like training camp and say I need a session off because I can't I won't be able to complete the camp otherwise um, I'm not enjoying it I just need to like I need some extra rest and just take that time to to look at myself and say okay I need to figure out what my body can do, how far I can push it within reason, and um, and so and it was hard, but I got there. And like that season where where, where it just it it was funny because things just clicked. All of a sudden, like I got in the pool and I was flying. I couldn't do anything wrong, um, and it was just like that confidence came back, and it was like. I, I kind of knew before I got in the pool that I was going to do good time because of the times that I was doing the training. Oh, what a mindset shift. That's, that's yeah. amazing. And really all it took was a conversation, yeah. a conversation and an example. And that's, that's fantastic. Can you apply those same lessons in that same kind of mind shift mentality to your experience going through your PhD? Um, I don't know. Like my PhD was a different kind of, um, 
game, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, so I, th I, I went into it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved, I, I enjoyed the research side of my undergrad and I, I enjoy teaching. Like I'm, I'm good at teaching and coaching and those kind of things. Um, and I thought I could combine the two and be, be like a lecturer, professor at university. So that's why I went down the PhD route. Um, but I wasn't like, the problem was, is I had stuff that happened towards the end of my swimming career that I hadn't processed, that I hadn't really realized that I needed to process and was kind of following me around and that kind of moving away from my, cause I, I moved away from my PhD. Like it was only two hours away, but it was still far enough away that I didn't have my support network. So I was in a new place. The lab was completely new. Like my professor had brought up his lab from Bristol to Nottingham. So there was like everybody, nobody really knew each other. We had to set the lab up. So there's just a bunch of like confounding stuff that happened that led to like my like mental health deteriorating and me spiraling into like a depression and, and that kind of thing. The only upside, like the thing that, that, that got me through was that there was um like my, my good friend, like he, we're really good friends now. He's called Sam and he went through, he started his PhD at the same time as me. We both had, we both like hit my like primary supervisor was also hit one of his supervisors and he works in the same lab. And like, he was going through the exact same things as me. Like he was, but a little bit, he was a little bit, his started a little bit sooner. So like, I already knew like he was, um, going through mental health problems and, and those kind of things so the fact that I knew someone that, that was going through it kind of helped and we, we kind of supported each other and, and helped each other get through it and I think that's why we're still pretty close friends now even though like we don't live near each other anymore. Oh that's awesome building your support network is essential even if it, if we're talking about mental health, if we're talking about your work environment, your entrepreneur environment, your fit family, or even um, your community at school. That's so, so important. It's kind of like building up your superstar team, if you think about it that way. Oh, that's fantastic. What um, kind of advice would you have to give to someone sitting at home right now who's struggling with uh, the same kind of stuff that you went through? Um. I know it's easier to say it than it probably is to do it. And I know that because it was for me, but you to find somebody who you can reach out to and chat, even if it's not directly about what's going on in your head. Um, and it might take a couple of times. Like for me, like I, I remember I rang my mum up and I, um, when I was at, at Nottingham and I was like, in tears I can't do this anymore I just want to come home blah 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 this you know and it was quite obvious at that but looking back that like I had these mental health issues in like the throes of depression and there was stuff going on but it took a few weeks later for me to like I was I, I was sat in the office and I was like I can't do like looking around thinking if I leave now nobody's cares nobody's going to notice that I've got nobody's you know nothing's going to happen I was like what's the point and so I got up, I walked out, the, grabbed my things, walked out the office, went, went back to my flat, put some stuff in a suitcase and then got on a train back home. And it wasn't until I was halfway home that I kind of text, I text my boyfriend at the time saying, I'm going home. I can't do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And he convinced me to, to let my mum know. Um, that I was coming home and and my mum convinced me to that I needed to go and see my doctor I mean I feel really lucky because like my doctor at the time like he'd been my doctor since I was like 
a baby so he knew everything about me so I had that that felt comfortable in talking to him but whether it's for me whether it's a friend whether it's um phoning a helpline if you don't feel like you can talk to somebody you know because I know especially for me sometimes I find it easier to talk about my feelings to people that I don't know um, than people that I do so it but just finding someone to talk it out although and then the other it doesn't even have to be somebody to talk it out to like in the past like um I was struggling with stuff in my business like a few months ago and I needed to talk to someone so I I, I hit record on a, on on um, the video recording on my laptop and I filmed myself talking about what I was doing and I was almost in tears and then I sent the video to, to some friends um, because that was the only, that's the only way I could do it. Sometimes I just talk into my phone and, and just the, the act of just speaking it out loud even if it's a not to anyone can help. Um, but yeah, like, so it, it was just like the act of like, just like speaking it out loud whether it's to yourself or it's to somebody else is, is kind of therapeutic. Definitely. Definitely. It's a different way to process information yeah. through your brain as well. And even if you don't share those recordings, just having that time to, to journal in a different way, kind of. Yeah. Um, if you look back at your, your life's journey up until this point, you have so much more ahead of you, but looking back for a moment, what are, what is one thing you are most grateful for? Um, my family, definitely without, without, without doubt. Like I feel so lucky that I have a family that is pretty close knit. Like, okay, my brother's now living in New Zealand, but like I spent growing up, like me, my brother and my three cousins would spend Saturday afternoons round at my grandma's and we'd play and we'd, you know, do whatever, build dens, watch TV, have dinner. Um, and we've got such a, like we, we were still really close as, as you know, um, cousins and, and, and siblings go that a lot of people don't have. And like, granted, like we all live within like a half an hour drive of each other, which is apart from my brother, obviously, um, which is, which is awesome. Um, but like just knowing that I can, I can go and talk to whoever or, we're all there for each other, no matter what, 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 what's happening, whether it's on the phone or whether it's, you know, we're, we're, we're isolating because of coronavirus. Can you go and get me some bread, milk type situation? Um, oh, that's awesome. And looking forward into the future for a moment, what, um, how are you going to be remembered in a hundred years? Um, wow. I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think that um, I'd be remembered for being someone that was had a positive impact on other people's lives. I think that's a big thing for me and for helping create a community for for people that that need a community. Like one of my big things that I want to do is I want to create a community for athletes once they've left the sport because there's a lot of times there just isn't anything um, for people. So it's just a case of being able to positively impact other people and, and just share the love and the knowledge. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and looking at the, the people who have influenced you and the people who have mentored you um, across the board, we talked about um, conversations that have changed your life. Who is one person who has made the, the deepest, most impressive footprints in your life? Um, I probably have to say my mum. 
um, to be honest. Like she's obviously she knows she knows me so well, and she like I can just be sat looking at something or just sat thinking about something, and she'll she'll know that something's up. Like she can tell stuff's wrong before before I even realise that things are wrong, um, and she can kind of just like set me on the right path I guess and just but also like challenge me and call me out when things aren't going like like I'm not doing the right thing or I haven't um like called someone when I said they I, I would or I haven't done something like so yeah she's <laughs> awesome oh that's fantastic well we're coming to the end of our interview time are there any last thoughts any last closing words you have for everyone um, I think it's it's give give yourself the time to real think about to do that inner work to realize who you are to give yourself that time to rest and for me I think that's a I, I mean obviously the coronavirus and the lockdown situation has helped a lot of forced a lot of people to do that but like like as we kind of come out of that I I feel like it's important to remember that. That, um, one of my, my 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 sayings I seem to say a lot, especially recently, is um, that rest is as important, if not more so, than work. And that's something I think we all need to remember going 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 forward. That that rest is when the the actual progress happens. You know, it's when your muscles, um, when you talk about exercise, it's when they rebuild. It's when your brain like rewires and sorts all the memories and all that kind of stuff out. So like you know just take the time out to rest and don't feel guilty for it because you need it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us at the Mindset and Impact Summit. It's been fantastic having you here. Thank you so much. Consider this a reminder if you need it. Rest, rest, rest. Remember to take that time to focus so that your brain can rewire itself, so that your muscles can recuperate, um, so that you're ready and you're at your best to take on the next day. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Lifelong Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership. And until next time, remember, I love you and be excellent to each other.